Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. And everyone said, Amen. Well, you know, this time of year, again, the fall kind of sets precedents for a lot of different things. You know, kids going back to school, just things start to get settled at church. And one of the things that just from the natural side of life is that when it comes to fall, there are all these new programs that start on television. Have you ever noticed that? Come on. Anybody got some programs that they're like faithful watchers like my my programs coming back on? You know what I'm talking about? In fact, I, I you know, uh, I'm a cowboy at heart, if you didn't know that. Sometimes people make fun of me because I got a southern voice. was because I married a, married a southern woman, and she talks more northern than I do. But somehow, that's the crossbreeding there. I don't know what happened. But uh, like I said, I'm kind of a cowboy at heart. And so I found this movie on Netflix. And how many of you know that it's hard to find some decent material to watch? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's got junk and whatever else is on there. Well, we found one that was halfway decent, and it was called Longmire. Anybody familiar? It's kind of like a a modern day cowboy story, and 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 we watched that, and it came to an end, and I'm like, what? You left me hanging, and then it was like over a year, and it's like, where did it go? And I just got an email that says on October 23rd, it's coming back on. I'm like, yeah. So, <laughs> listen, pastor's got his movies that he watches as well, but uh, once again, just with that premise and that idea. I saw this commercial for a program, and, and I didn't really catch all the details of it, just kind of in, in, in passing as I've heard it, or just kind of saw the little clips on TV. But basically what it is, is a storyline of you only have so many hours, and then the end of the world is coming, I guess. And I don't know how many hours there are, or how many what the, what the timeline is, but I guess the premise of it is you've only got so much time and so, therefore, what are you going to do with the time that you have? And so I want to pose that question to you. I want to pose the question to you that if your life, from the moment I got done preaching this message this morning, you only had 72 hours left of your life. What would you do if all you had was 72 hours left to live on this planet and you are the only ones that knew it? Nobody else knew, and therefore, you've got a decision to make. What would you do in the next three days? And so I just want to kind of pose some questions to you and just have some participation, if you will, because I kind of want to know where you would be at. But let me ask you this. If you had 72 hours at the end of this service today, would you go to work tomorrow? How many of you would go to work? I mean, obviously, they're expecting you. You have an obligation to go to work. How many of you would go? Raise your hand. Hi, I can't see them. Nobody? Wow, all right. <laughs> Thought maybe I'd get one. I don't know. All right, so if you had 72 hours, how many of you would say, well, you know what? I don't have to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to sleep in. How many of you would say, I'd sleep in tomorrow? Anybody? <laughs> maybe one. She's like, I don't ever sleep. I need this good opportunity. All right. How many of you would make sure that your bills are paid up? Because obviously, if you're going to leave, you want to leave on on a good state. Anybody pay your bills? Come on, raise your hand. 
Sharon thought that was hysterical. She's like, yeah, right. <laughs> well, maybe you would go on a shopping spree. Anybody just like, I'm going on a shopping spree, going to go on a vacation. Man, we're going to go out with a bang, going to have a lot of fun. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, got a few of you in here. How many of you would say, you know what, I'm going to spend time with my family? Wow, hands up all over the place. All right. So what if you did have a timeline? What if we really only had 72 hours, only three days? I believe that every single person in this place would give pause to prioritize the remaining of your time. And I don't know if you're familiar with this particular actor, Gene Wilder. Anybody know who Gene Wilder is? You know, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. He just passed away recently, but he said this. He said, time is a precious thing. Never waste it. And so I believe all of us would prioritize and take pause to say, what am I going to do with the remainder of my time? I don't believe anybody would, would be thinking this. I'm getting the big promotion tomorrow. It's Monday. They promised it to me. I'm finally going to be the person that I desire to be. And I've got the raise that's coming with it. If that were the case, I don't believe you would care. Because I only got 72 more hours. You might be that person that has a daughter or a son for that matter. That they're graduating from college and they're getting their doctorate's degree. And obviously you're so proud of them. But I believe in the scope of life and the prioritization of life. Even though they're graduating. Even though you're honored. Even though you're proud of them. I don't believe that it would be even a matter of your priority list. Maybe tomorrow... They've had you scheduled and you've been on the waiting list and tomorrow you're getting the life-changing surgery that would extend your life and actually give you quality of life. I don't think that there would be anybody in this room that says, you know what, I'm scheduled at 7 o'clock in the morning and you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get that surgery tomorrow. I don't think it would matter. I don't think it would even be an issue because all I have is 72 hours left. Even with the son or the daughter, they've got their athletic game and obviously the team's counting on them and therefore, you know, we don't want our, our child to be late for the game. Now, once again, I don't think that the athletic game, the baseball game or whatever it might be would really even register on the priority list because we only have 72 hours left. My guess is, is that when it comes to us prioritizing the next Three days, 72 hours of our life. That many of us would prioritize our life based upon the idea that there was coming an end to an existence. Rather than the beginning of an eternity. I want to say that again because I want that to register. I believe many of us would prioritize our life as though we're coming to an end of an existence rather than seeing it as the beginning and the stepping over into eternity. Because how you view this next 72 hours will make all the difference in the world. How you see the end of that 72 hours will determine dramatically what you do. Are you tracking with me? So, back to the original questions that we asked. Would you go to work? What for? 
Would you sleep in? I probably won't sleep at all for the next three days. Would you make sure your bills are paid for? Not my worry. Maybe you'd like to have a lot of fun. Maybe you'd want to make sure that it's the best 72 hours of your life. But then I asked this question. How many of you would spend the next 72 hours with family? And probably 90% plus in this room raised your hand. But here's my question for you. If in 72 hours you begin eternity, and if your family is going to be with you in eternity, why would your family be such a big priority? Because obviously, eternity is forever. And hopefully, you're thinking that your family is going to be with you, right? So then once again, that really begins to beg the question, what is going to be my priority? What am I going to do in these next three days? Well, one of the things that I do know that at the end of these next three days, I'm going to stand before my maker. I'm going to stand before him. So what am I going to do when I stand before him? What does that look like? I want to share a few verses with you just to begin to paint the landscape of what three days from now would look like. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. Notice what it says. All the idle words, stupid conversations are going to be dealt with before God. Maybe the things that you were hard about. Come on, do you get that? How many of you know your words are a very small thing? But God says, even your words, when you stand before me, I'm going to judge the words that came out of your mouth. Wow, isn't that sobering? That from the details by which God is going to examine your life, even the words are going to count with him. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man will come in his glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each. Everybody say each. He will reward each according to his works. So in other words, God says there's something that you're supposed to be doing. There's some works that are involved in your life. And it's not referring to your occupation or what you do for a living. But he says there's some things that God is going to judge you. And based upon what you did, there's rewards that come with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, it says... For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So again, based upon what we've done on this life or in this life, there's things that we've done both good and bad, and God says you're going to give account towards it. You mean God saw that? Yep, sure did. (laughs) Oh man, I thought nobody knew that one. Yeah, God saw it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5. It says, They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Come on, we're all going to stand before God. One day, we are going to stand before God and give an account for this carnal, temporal, natural life. Romans chapter 14, verse 11 through 13. It says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, So then, each of us shall give an account of himself. 
to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Notice what it said. Each person shall give an account of himself. Now, I know that many of us in this life like to play the blame game, like to point the finger and say, well, you're the reason, you're the cause why this is in my life or why I am the way that I am. But God says, you're going to stand before him and based upon everything that you've done in this life, even down to the words in which you spoke, you're going to give an account for you. Come on. You're not going to have anybody standing next to you where you can say, well, what about them? No, God says, I'm going to talk to you. You're going to have to give an account. In three days' time, in 72 hours, what if we were standing before God and had to give answer for this life? Well, that brings me back to that one scripture that we've already looked at in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. It says, For the Son of Man will come in His glory of His Father with His angels, and then He will reward each one according to His works. That word works really means... Your purpose. You're going to have to give an account for what you were created for. God has a purpose for every single one of us. And God says there's coming a day when you're going to have to give an account. Did you do what I called you to do? Were you the believer, the child of God? Were you the person that I called you to be? In fact, for that matter, in Ephesians, the Bible says that as we begin to grow as believers, the Bible says that we begin to do the work or what our purpose is. And then it identifies it and says that the purpose is to build the church or the body of Christ. Now, what that means is not building a building. It doesn't mean that we're building uh, uh, programs. It means are we purposing to build or add people to his church? Well, I invited my aunt. She goes to a church and she came and hang out with us and she liked our music, but she didn't like your preaching. So she didn't stay around. No, I'm not talking about inviting other Christians, believers, to your church. I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus. Are you here this morning? Now, this is a message that I'm really talking to us as a church And this is something that God has really been stirring my heart about because, listen, the time is short. And when you begin to really fine-tune our thinking as to what if we had a time frame? What if there was only 72 hours? Excuse me, what would we do? So I ask you, what is your priorities? What would our priorities be if all we began to do or all we had was 72 hours? I want to bring your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, first beginning in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so he's talking to a Christian, a believer. So if you're here this morning and you've asked Jesus into your heart, you are a Christian. And it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ And has given us the ministry, the work, the purpose of the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, as 
has committed to us the word or and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So God says, you've got a purpose. You've got a ministry. In fact, the, many people think, well, I've got to be around the church for a while. You know, I just want to just kind of sit back and be a wallflower for a little bit. I just want to kind of get my feet wet. just kind of want to get some traction. I just want to get to know some people. No, the Bible says the moment that you receive Christ into your heart, the moment that you say, Jesus, forgive me, come in my heart, amen. The moment that you say, amen, God slaps on you a badge of being an ambassador. He looks at you and says, welcome to the ministry. The moment you say amen, he says, now you've actually been able to step into your purpose. Before now, it wasn't possible. But right now, you've now stepped into the place of where you can experience the purpose of your life. And it is being an ambassador for Christ. So that means everything about your life, you are now a representative. Realize that's what an ambassador is, right? You think about having a U.S. ambassador that goes across the country. What is he? He is a representative and he is a voice for the United States of America. And actually his voice qualifies to be the voice of the president on this side of the lake. So we could say it this way. Everywhere that you go, you are a representation of the kingdom of God. Everywhere that you go, you are a spokesman for him. Every time you open your mouth. Now, it brings into clarity as to why you're going to give an account for your idle words. Because every time you open up your mouth, you represent him. That's your purpose. That's your ministry. That's your call. So then let me ask you again. What would you do in the next 72 hours? Because you're going to spend eternity with your family, hopefully, if they're Christians. But if they're not, then all of a sudden my purpose becomes more clear, doesn't it? I know what the next 72 hours is going to be about. But if my family is is saved and going to heaven, then what's my purpose? Am I going to sit back and say, come on, let's just have a party. Let's have fun. Let's go out in style. No, there is something bigger on the other side. And it's standing before God and giving account for this life. And on the other side of that 72 hours is eternity. Come on, are you seeing the reality? Are you seeing the impact of what it looks like? If we actually had this mentality stirring on the inside, how many of you know that we would live life with urgency? If you knew that your child was not right with God and upon 72 hours they would be forever separated, going to hell. Do you think in the next 72 hours you would live with an urgency? I believe we would. But why don't we? Because there's always tomorrow. Right? Isn't that how we live life? There's always tomorrow. But today I've got my things to do. I hear that tone of voice. Come on. (laughs) Today we're doing our things. But there's always tomorrow. James chapter 4 verse 14 says this. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? If it is ever a vapor that appears for a little time. And then vanishes away. 
I can remember as a young man always hearing some of my elders talking about how fast time goes. And I'm only 40-something now. But I am so surprised at how fast time goes. I mean, the thought that 2017 is a matter of a couple months away. I mean, you know you're going to blink your eye and it's going to be 2017. I mean, when you think about time anymore, it's like, why sweat time? Because it goes by so fast. But it goes by so fast that we're not productive or living on purpose. Or living with our purpose. Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 says this. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Or its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own, tr- its own, tr- its own troubles. How many of us live this life worrying about tomorrow? We carry the weight of our world on our shoulders. We try to keep everything in order. We try to keep all the plates spinning in life. But the Bible says that tomorrow... It's going to have its worries. Why worry? But you don't know what I'm going through in life. I get it. Obviously, we need to be responsible. But I don't have to live this day full of anxiety about tomorrow because it'll work out. We'll get through it. And let me just, again, I know this is very sobering. But what if you was to die tomorrow? What's the worst thing? You're in heaven. I mean, I know it's a very dark thing to look at, but I mean, what is the worst? I mean, come on. I'm in heaven with Jesus. And I'm just waiting for you to come. Come on, let's go. Right? So why don't we live with this urgency? I believe one of the reasons why we're we're not living with urgency is because we don't really understand what we've been rescued from. I said, I don't believe that we really understand what we've been rescued from. And that is, is we've been rescued from hell. Eternal separation from God. And people have all these distorted ideas of what hell looks like. Well, you know, at least I'll be there with my family and my friends. It'll be a good time. No, the Bible says that it is nothing to be desired. Many think, well, I'm a good person. Therefore, it qualifies me for heaven. No. Being a good person don't get you to heaven. It only comes through one way. Well, God won't send me to hell. No, it's not about whether or not God desires to send you to hell or not. No, He simply wants you to know Him and fulfill your purpose. Are you here this morning? Once again, I know that this is sobering. But I think if we begin to examine these things, it begins to help us live life with a different perspective, a different passion, a different purpose, a different reason to get up in the morning. Because if life only had 72 hours left, what would be my purpose? What would be my priority? If we knew that we only had 72 hours left, how many of you think that we'd worry about being politically correct? (laughs) And isn't that what we do? Well, I'm afraid to talk about this because, you know, you just don't want to offend somebody. You know, they always say you don't want to talk about, about religion or politics. Listen, if all I have is 72 hours, I'm going to talk to you until you just don't want me to talk to you no more. Because hell is real. Amen? Hell is real. And once again, I believe that so many believers don't have any understanding of what we've been rescued from. Reverend Kenneth Hagin 
what set his course in the ministry is when he had an experience with God and he actually went to hell. He thought he was a Christian. He thought he did all the religious thing, but he actually went down to hell and saw what hell was like. The sights, the smells, the sounds. And one of the last messages that I heard him minister, he was 82 or 83 years old when he, when he passed and went home to be with the Lord. And I heard him minister the message that he talked about when he went to hell. And 80 some years old, 70 some years later in his life, he preached that message and he preached it with such fervency, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. And he said, if you've ever experienced hell, he said, it never leaves you. It never leaves your thinking. He said, it is something that forever changes your life. And that's what caused him to minister with such a fervency all of his life. I believe so many of us don't really have an understanding of what we've been rescued from. Number two, I believe so many believers, we don't really understand or know or have really experienced the love of God. It's always there. It's always present. But because we're so busy, because we're always thinking about tomorrow, I think very few of us ever let ourselves really begin to experience the love of God. I mean, let's put that in context of just marriages and family. How many of us really allow ourselves to experience love between one another? If there was one thing that my, my wife would complain about, she was like, you're always busy. You're always on the go. I just want some quality time with you. If she had one complaint about me as a father, she would say, listen, you need to spend some quality time with the kids instead of being busy and going and doing and being all about this and being about that. Right? That's me as a pastor. That's everybody as a whole. Do we really take the time to experience the love between those that are most dearest to us? If we're not doing that on a natural level, chances are we're not doing that on a spiritual level. And if we were doing it on a spiritual level, we would be, be doing it on a natural level. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prayed this prayer for the church. It's applicable for today, but it goes exactly to what I'm talking about. He says this in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, and I'm praying that you, that you, that, that, uh, you would having a deep-rooted and be securely grounded in God's love. Verse 18, being fully capable of comprehending, what it, uh, co- comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width, the length, the, di- the, the excuse me, the length, the... With the height, the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing, endless love. And that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled, filled up throughout your, uh, your, your, your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. And the Bible says that God is love. I know I butchered that up, but the point of it is, is that he says, I'm praying that you would come to experience this for yourself, to have a personal experience with his love, that you would be filled and flooded with it. See, God is desiring to know us. And if I began to truly know, if you began to truly experience the love of God, you would live life as though you only had 72 hours left. All the other things in life would not be so important, so monumental, 
because his love would begin to redirect our priorities. We would begin to understand what we've been saved from. Here's where we're at as a people, as a church, and I'm talking the church world as a whole. Many people possess God. They've asked Jesus into their heart. But very few people are possessed by God. I'll say that again. Many people possess God, but very few people are possessed by God. And what I mean by that is being so full of Him. In fact, one translation said, being so filled with His personality and flooded to the point that your personality changes to be like His. Are you here this morning? God desires for us to come into that place where we look at life from a different perspective. Why do we not allow ourselves to be possessed by God? Why? Because I've got time. There's time for that. And for that matter, I've got my own priorities. I've got to do this today, God. Tomorrow, I'll do that. Amen? Mom and dads, for those of you that have adult children, you had years to raise your children. If you were to take personal inventory of your adult children right now, are they going to heaven? You may say, I hope so. I think so. They're good people. But there's only one way. And if you search your heart of hearts, you know. And if you know that they're not going to heaven, then live a life as though you only have 72 hours left. Mom and dads, those that have children right now, the statistics show us that when kids reach the age of 18 years of, of age and they have the ability to live life on their own, the vast majority of kids do not return back to the church. Why? Because we're not living a life that are instilling in them the love of God. Helping them know what they've escaped from. If you've got children that are still within your home, young or old, Live life as though you only have 72 hours left with them. There's only one thing that matters. We've got an election coming up, don't we? 50 days away. When you vote, are you going to vote for what affects your natural life here? Are you going to vote what affects eternity? Because you realize you're going to stand before God and give an account for your vote. We won't get on that soapbox, all right? <laughs> Let me close with these final thoughts. As I've said to you, I've just been taking personal inventory myself, looking at our church, looking at the body of Christ, looking at my own home. And I was just having this conversation with my wife yesterday. Life has a way of draining your time, doesn't it? Well, I've got to do this and I've got to do that. That needs to be repaired. Well, I want to remodel that. Well, you know, we've always wanted to build this and we've always wanted to do that. You know, we've got to cut the grass. We've got to take care of the landscaping. We've got to winterize the pool. There's all this stuff that you've got to do. And I said to her yesterday as I was kind of preparing for this message... If I was to be honest with myself, being the man that I am now, if I could go back 20 years, I would do things a whole lot differently. Because the way that I lived 20 years ago was always saying, I've got more time. I can do that tomorrow. 
or we've got time to get this settled in and take care of that. The Bible tells us this. Now, I'm almost nervous to make this point to you for some that would take it the wrong way. But I believe it's applicable in many of our lives. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things would be added unto you. And it talks about all the natural things of life. In Matthew's gospel, it says this. He says, the one that leaves family, leaves homes, leaves lands for my name's sake in this life will receive a hundredfold. So here's what I'm convinced of. If we would live life with the prioritization of the only thing that matters is that I am an ambassador. Now, I might go to a job. I might have a natural job that i got to go work. But if I realize that, you know what, that just pays me a paycheck. But when I go there, I'm an ambassador. It would change my perspective. Yeah, I'm a husband. I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm, an, I'm a father. But within my home, I'm an ambassador. If I would understand that everything that I do is to represent him. I believe God that I believe that God would take care of us to the point that all those things that we strive for and struggle for would become so insignificant that he would just end up taking care of them. And this is the statement that I'm going to make to you that's a really strong statement. But I believe that as a minister, as a pastor, I don't believe that God desires ministers to be caught up with all the affairs of life. Well, I've got to take care of this, got to take care of that, got to do this, got to do that. Because I've got a call. There's a greater purpose. And if I was fulfilling my purpose, God would take care of the rest. But now that's applicable to you as well. Because you're a minister. Are you tracking with me? I hope you're hearing my heart. Because everything that we do in this life is to strive for what we have, to hold on to it, to not let it go. And if it goes or if we lose it, man, the world is falling apart. I, I'm so convinced that if we would have a passion to live this life as though I only have 72 hours left, God would begin to connect the pieces, things would line up, and everything that you had a heart's desire for in this natural life would be... be compensated for and taken care of while you were about the kingdom business. Do you think we can begin to change that? The economy within this city, the landscape of this county has a very negative reputation, doesn't it? What if there was a group of people that just lived as though there was only 72 hours? What would that look like? Somebody within our church just had a meeting this past week. Maybe it was yesterday. Had a picture standing next to the mayor of Flint. You know, the Bible says that your call will bring you before great men. Powerful men. That goes for women as well. We can change things around here. Amen? Let's change our homes first. Let's change our church second. And then let's begin to reach this world. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to challenge you today. Would you entertain the thought. Of surrendering your life to God.
I'm not talking about having confessed Jesus as Lord and knowing that you're going to heaven. Would you entertain the thought of surrendering your life to Him? Knowing that everything that you say and everything that you do, you're going to have to give an account for. But not doing it through fear of what He's going to say. But live this life With the mandate that I've been called to be an ambassador. I've got a purpose. And living this life as though there is a timeline. And therefore I can live life with urgency. For what really matters. If you'll begin to live life that way. And even make the choice today. You'll find that as you go to work tomorrow. God will begin to lead you to those people. That don't know him. And it begins immediately. Oh I so desire so much more for you in your life. Abundance and increase. If you'll only let me help you. I'll give you the best that the earth has to yield. Father in Jesus name we surrender to you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Opening up the eyes of our understanding. And living with new purpose. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life